Our gospel lesson continues in the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 20. We are making our way through Matthew, and and the end of November we'll start year B of the lectionary cycle. So we will be on to Mark. Matthew 20, beginning at verse 1. Jesus is speaking. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go out into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and he found others standing around and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go out into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the same usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against one another, against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour, And you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A couple of questions arise for me from this parable of Jesus, in which he begins, The kingdom of heaven is like... The first question... Do we want fair or best treatment when it comes to money and work? The answer is yes, of course. The second question, do we want others to have fair or best treatment as well? Or perhaps we are wired to be better than, to do better than, and to get more than. Jesus confronts us with our own humanity. The kingdom of heaven is like, as I said a few weeks ago, kingdom living is going to look differently from our daily living. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to desire abundant life for them as well as for us, the life Jesus came to bring all children. Author Gregory Boyd, in his book, The Myth of a Christian Nation, states, 
Jesus came to redeem the world by ushering in an alternative kingdom. He came not to give solutions, tweak external regulations, and enforce better behavior. He rather came to transform lives from the inside out by winning people over to the reign of God's sovereign love. Jesus' mission wasn't to improve the old. His mission and the mission he gave his disciples was to embody the new, an entirely new way of doing life. It is life lived within the reign of God's sovereign love, thereby rendering the power over tactics of the kingdom of the world unnecessary. Through Jesus, our life can be filled with a divine love, which alone satisfies the hunger of our soul. I think it's why we're here today. So the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went early to hire his laborers for his vineyard and after agreeing on the daily wage, sends them into his vineyard. This reminds me of current times when day laborers wait at pickup points, hoping to be chosen for work. When the landowner went out about 9 a.m., he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and hired them and said he would pay them whatever is right. The landowner repeats this behavior at noon, at 3, and at 5, telling them to also go into the vineyard and work. At the end of the day, the landowner tells the manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. And so he does. When those hired about 5 o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the same daily wage. They were unhappy, saying, we've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. You've made them equal to us. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong, and do not, did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And so, this is what our kingdom of heaven is like with God showing no partiality. All are invited to work for the kingdom. The deserving, none of us deserves it, and the undeserving. The invitation to work in the vineyard is enough. Gratitude must be our response and the response of each laborer invited to work. The laborers don't receive their wage because of their individual merit or the quantity or the quality of their work, but from the gracious covenant offered by the one hiring. This is the radical 
equality of God at work. It's different. It's a different way of living. Catherine Blanchard says this, God promises and delivers but one reward for all, represented by a single denarius, basically enough for one's daily bread. Each of the laborers receives the same. But as usual, the laborers in the story and other children of God are wont to grumbling. The wandering Israelites wanted to go home, where at least they had three square meals a day, not soggy manna. Job's wife wanted Job to give up on his God, for faith was only getting them into more trouble. But scripture has consistently called us, and continues to do so, to readjust our lenses and view the abundant life God offers each of us, in fact, all of us. Abundant mercy, abundant grace, abundant love. Jesus, in describing kingdom ways, commands us to live lives worthy of our calling with humility strewn throughout. It's what Paul says we must attempt. We must attempt to live differently, with our lens adjusted from grabby greed to amazing grace. And this will take humility. Martin Luther, in a standout sermon, says, this parable is an attempt to stress humility to, quote, those who now know the gospel, who imagine they can teach and govern the whole world, and therefore imagine they are the nearest to God and have devoured the Holy Spirit, bones and feathers. Kingdom living calls for humility. We are not to begrudge others good fortunes. It doesn't cost anything, or as my grandfather used to say, it doesn't cost a dime for us to be happy for them. Having a good spirit toward one another comes free of charge. As I often say, we use less muscles smiling than we do frowning. Kingdom people, disciples of Christ, you and me, are to practice patience, humility, and generosity. It may go against our nature. We are to prepare to be Christians on our feet. As 1 Peter 3, 13 to 16 states, Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Always be prepared 
and be cautioned not to set yourselves up for disappointment. As someone once quipped, assumptions are planned disappointments. Instead, practice generosity, patience, and humility. Friends, let go of whatever keeps you from claiming the abundant life and from being grateful. Every time we step up these days to the communion table, we remember Christ's abundant generosity. Not a morsel, not a bite, but a whole loaf of bread. Let go and let God work through the roadblocks in your life and don't stay stuck in the miry clay sinking in sand. As my mentor Spencer said when I lost my dad at 18, you have to go through the grief. You can delay it, but it will be that much harder. We need to cross the river. Whatever river that may be for us, God promises newness, not someday in the great by and by when we cross over, but now, here, in this place, for us, where your feet are planted. You are being changed from glory into glory for God's glory. Put on new lenses. Practice kingdom living as Jesus taught on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, one denarius, manna for one night. We forgive as we are forgiven. Jesus' own prayer, the Lord's prayer, has everything we need to know in it. Jesus revealed on earth as it is in heaven the new order of God. He unmasks the deadly spirits of the old order. Envy, greed, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He teaches a new way. We, 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 not me, me, me. The laborers who are mad are mad not just because of money, but because of superiority. They complain, you have made them equal to us. It isn't fair. They see people in damaging categories of winners and losers, workers and unemployed, chosen and not picked. And we can relate to their angst. I was the last one chosen in the softball and kickball games. We compare, are you furloughed, laid off, or fired? But Jesus asks us to put on new lens and to trust God and God's ways. It is the paradox of the gospel. The last will be first and the first will be last. Jesus says this in the parables about three times in a row. He emphasizes it. A new way of living. It is Mary's song. Do you remember it when she was pregnant with the Savior? 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The kingdom of heaven is God's way. The new way. God is large and in charge. Bigger than we can even imagine. I love that section of Job where God advises Job. As for me, I would seek God. And to God, I would commit my cause. He does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends waters on the fields. He sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Comforting. He frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands achieve no success. He takes the wise in their own craftiness and the screams of the, the schemes of the wily are brought to a quick end. They meet with darkness in the daytime and grope at noonday as in the night, but he saves the needy from the sword of their mouth, from the hand of the mighty, so the poor have hope and the injustice shuts its mouth. You can't beat the word of the Lord. Like the laborers, we grumble, but God still provides. The parable of the vineyard teaches us to live as kingdom people, lay down envy and strife, and be generous. Worry less. Be grateful. Don't envy. Act out of your immense gratitude for the blessings of your life, the blessing of life. Perhaps the golden rule in Matthew 12, 7, 12 says it best. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not as you wish would happen to them. For today's graphic, I picked these sea otters from Bing.com, my new favorite old thing. Bing.com shows these two sea otters hugging each other. And the byline says, sea otters will anchor themselves with kelp to stay afloat or simply cling to one another. Friends, this is good news. Let us praise God always. Amen. Please stand as you are able and let us say together the affirmation of faith, John three fourteen to 17.
And just as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen.